Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm so glad that you're with me today because we are going to dive deep and explore Isaiah 59. We're entitling this new series, The Thrill of Hope. And today, out of Isaiah 59, I'm going to talk to you about vertical hope. I want us to see how God shows through Isaiah 59 that we cannot run to other people, we cannot run to other situations, that anything that we would say is horizontal hope will not bring lasting joy. It will not bring fulfillment into our lives. No, what we must do is we have to look at the vertical hope. We have to look to God for the things that only God can satisfy our souls and our lives with. I'm so glad that you're with me today as we explore the difference between horizontal and vertical hope on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today, I introduce a short series called The Thrill of Hope. I want to talk about what hope is and where it is found. Today will be part one, Christmas Eve, candlelight, will be part two, and then, of course, Christmas morning next Sunday will end with part three. So I hope you'll join us for all of that. Well, let's go today to Isaiah chapter 59. Say amen if you're blessed today. I'm so thankful that you're here. I trust that God has great things to say to us. Isaiah chapter 59. It is 21 verses. We're not going to look at all 21, but I am going to do my best to walk you through the chapter. There's going to be 10 to 12 verses that I want to touch on, that I want to explain Because this is a very important chapter. As a matter of fact, I love particularly the chapters 50 to 60 in the book of Isaiah. This whole collection of 10 chapters are remarkable. And I'll be honest with you, 59 is a bit difficult for me. But I have been diving deep into this. And the more I dive into it, In the beginning, I sort of scratched my head and said, Lord, what are you saying? And the more I have dug into it and the more I've digged around the soil of the scriptures, the sweeter fruit I have found, the more abundance I have found in the word. And I can't wait to share it with you today. I want to call today in this series called Thrill of Hope, I want to call today Vertical hope. It's critical that you understand that God has hardwired you, God has hardwired my life, your life, everyone's life to hope in something. Our lives, if you think about it, is really a series of hope. Every Ambition that we enter into, every dream that we try to accomplish, everything that you and I get get excited about is really hope that we're looking for. On the opposite side, every time you are let down, 
Every time you and I feel sorrow, every time we are disappointed, every time we feel hurt or loss or grief or pain, it is because it is the opposite. It is hope dash. I don't know where your life is at the moment, and I don't know what kind of year you have experienced. But I would say that somewhere through this year, you have experienced a loss of hope. I would say somewhere through this year, you have in some way experienced loss. I don't know where your life is. For many of us, we set out in life and somehow we end up getting the job that we want or somehow we get the education that we are pursuing or somehow we marry the love of our life and we begin a family and God begins to give us the things that we wanted so much and so desperately. But then you fast forward through time and through the years and for many people, They're not satisfied. They're lacking. Why is it that when you marry the person of your dreams, it still does not bring you the hope you long for? Why is it that as much as we love our children, we still do not feel quite fulfilled? Why is it that you can get the job that you go after? You can make the money that you want. You can take the vacations that you desire, but yet it leaves you feeling hopeless. It's because God has hardwired you for a certain hope that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to show it to you today using the scriptures. Isaiah 59 verse 1 is a very interesting verse. It says, behold, The arm of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot reach. His ear is not dull that he cannot hear. Now, I've always loved that verse, and I apply that verse in my prayer life. Often when I pray, I remind the Lord, Lord, your arm is not short. You can reach into my life. You can reach into my circumstance. You, oh God, can intervene. I remind the Lord, your ear is not dull, that you cannot hear me. I know based upon the scriptures that you hear me today. And I thank you for listening to me. For the scripture says, his eye is on the righteous and his ears are open to our cries. Amen. The Lord loves it when we pray the scriptures. Isaiah says, come now, let us reason together. The Lord loves it when you reason with him and when you pray his word and you remind him of his promises. But I never saw the angle from which verse 1 is speaking until I studied this chapter in depth. The reason why the scriptures say that his arm is not too short and his ear is not too dull is because God's people had leveled a charge against God. They are saying, God, you are not paying attention. God, you are not doing your job. God, you are not helping me as I think you ought to help me. And I don't know where you are in this stage of life. I don't know where you are in this season of your life. But I know in my heart today that God has put this word in my heart. God has put this text in my heart because I know there are many listening today that somewhere down the line, you have become disappointed with God. Somewhere along the way in your heart, you're saying, God, you are not doing 
your job. I look around at the holidays and everyone is happy except me. Everyone is fulfilled except me. Everyone has hope except me. What is wrong with you? This is what God's people is saying to him. So God answers back. And if you will pay attention with me today at what God says and how God thinks, oh, it will answer so many questions. And just like the glorious gospel does, it gives us good and great news. What did the angels say when Christ was born? What did they say to the shepherds? Here is good news of great joy. And that's exactly what the gospel is. But friends, you'll never see the glory of the gospel. You'll never see the good news of the gospel until you first see the calamity of sin. And this text shows us. Verse 2, look at it with me. Look what God says. Your iniquity has separated you from God. Your sin has hidden his face that he is not listening to you. Can you see the picture that God's people are complaining? God's people are pointing fingers. God's people are saying, I don't see your help. I don't see joy. I don't see peace. I don't see justice. I don't see righteousness. I don't see truth. I don't see any of these things. And God says, here's the reason why. Because your sin has separated us. And verses 1 through verses 8 is an indictment from God to humanity. And God lays it out. And God begins to explain how and why sin separates us from God. But see, here's what you and I do in our humanity. You and I go after what we think will fulfill us. We go after things we think will satisfy us. We go after things that we call hope, but God knows that it's empty. So what we do is we spend our lives. We chase after relationships. We chase after situations. We'll even chase locations. And we'll think that by changing locations, it'll bring us hope. By gaining that new relationship, I'll feel fulfilled. That getting into this new career or changing into this situation, that I will finally feel satisfied. But God knows that it's empty. So what we do is we look for horizontal hope. And friends, I want to show you through the scriptures today that is empty There isn't but one hope that satisfies, and that is a vertical hope. And it's the only place we'll ever feel true fulfillment. And then it's out of that vertical hope. It's out of that vertical relationship that then we function right. We think right. We feel right. We behave right in all of the other horizontal relationships of our lives in all the other horizontal situations of our lives. Am I making sense to anyone today? So verses 9 and 10 get very interesting. And it is highly interesting to me. So watch what happens. God is going to bring an indictment 
on humanity. And he is going to say, this is why you're in the mess that you are. And watch what happens in verses 9 and 10. He says, you're like a blind man. Oh, that hits home right there. That hits close. He says, you're like being in the full noonday, but yet you're in the gloom of night. Verse number 10, he gives quite a vivid picture here. He says, you're like a blind man stumbling along the wall trying to find your way. I remember when uh, I sat down with Pastor Josh, our executive pastor, for the first time. He and I met here at the church for lunch, and I had never met him in person. We ordered in Bagel Exchange, and we go from the lobby, and normally I'll walk. Well, that was before the new kids' wing was created, and you couldn't just walk through the hallway, so I brought him in through the auditorium. Well, I thought the lights were on. They weren't. It was pitch black. So we had to go from the lobby all the way to the conference room in pitch black. Well, I know my way, and I know my path, and I just follow my wall, and I'm fine. And Josh says, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. Well, he couldn't do it as good as I can do it. <clears throat> now Josh laughs and tell, tells people, I was his first blind hire. <laughs> He says, you're like a blind man groping in the dark, stumbling along the wall, trying to find your way. Do you know what he's telling humanity? He's telling humanity, you've lost your way. Now listen, when we have severely lost our way, there is only one of two things we can do. Either we can point the finger at God and say it's your fault. You're not doing your job. You're not treating me fairly. You're not good. You can point your finger at God and say life is not fair. Or as the text shows, you and I can confess our need of God. We can humble ourselves down. We can confess our sin to the Lord. Look at verse 11 with me. After he says, you're like a blind man. You're groping in the dark. You're fumbling along the wall. Now, look what he says in verse 11. This is beautiful. Isaiah then begins confessing and he begins to say, God, it is our iniquity. God, it is our transgression. God, it is our sin that is ever before you. Verse number 12, remember what we said? This is an indictment. And what does he say? He says, our sin, our iniquity, our transgression, transgressions, they are a case against us. They testify against us. Oh, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you ever confessed your sin? Have you ever recognized it? Have you ever seen it for what it is? Let me break this down quickly for us. What is iniquity? Do you know what that is? Let me give you a couple of great definitions that will just help us understand. Because here is the fact, my friends. Many of us don't feel the weight of our sin because it's never truly been explained to us. If I came up to you, better yet, if you came up to me and you said to me, Chad, I have good news for you. Oh, great. I always love good news. And you said, I paid your fine. Is that good news to me? 
No, it's confusing news. Because what would I say? What fine? I don't even know what you're talking about. I've not done anything wrong. Right? But what if you explained to me and you said, but Chad, you didn't know this, but I happened to be at the courthouse and I saw your name on the docket. And I thought, what is my friend Chad Roberts doing on the docket? And I went and inquired and they explained to me that you were speeding. You got, you got one of those traffic you know, camera tickets, whatever, to which I would say, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't even drive. And so, well, we're getting in the weeds now. But anyways, if you explain to me, Chad, you did not pay your fine and you were going before the judge. And I stepped in and I said, no, he's a friend of mine. I know him and I'm going to pay his fine. Then what is my reaction to you? Thank you. I had no idea. Many of your friends, many of your loved ones that you would love to see come to the Lord, many of them don't understand because they've never seen their sin. They've never seen their need of a Savior. So let me explain it to us. Number one, iniquity. What does iniquity mean? Iniquity means... Moral uncleanness. In, in other words, that means that me, Chad Roberts, born as a sinner, struggling with my flesh, wrestling with my flesh that I'm supposed to crucify. Why do I have to crucify it? Because it's a struggle with sin. That means that I do not always have pure motives, nor do I always have pure desires unless I crucify my flesh and walk in the Spirit. If I'm not walking in the Spirit, I'm going to have moral uncleanness. I'm not going to have pure motives. You know, one thing that God showed me this year about my own life and my own leadership, God showed me how I have to be very careful in my dealing with people. Because I'm a type A personality. I am the type that I want to see us have success. I want to see us move the needle. I want to see us go forward. And so when you're like that, it is very easy to manipulate situations. Why? For the good of the outcome. For the end result. To see progress. You know, that's iniquity. The Lord began to show me, instead of manipulating things and just getting the good result, the Lord said, why don't you begin doing the hard work and motivate people? Find out what their motivation is. Don't just say, this is where we're going. Let's get there. Find out what motivates your team. Find out what motivates your people. Find out, find, do harder work than what you're doing. Boy, that really spoke to me. Because if I'm not careful, even though I love people and I love to shepherd people and I love to lead our leaders and I love to lead our teams and I love all the work that this church accomplishes, if I'm not careful, iniquity will be found in me. Not pure motives, not pure desires, moral uncleanness. Secondly, in verse 11, not only does he mention iniquity, he mentions transgressions. What do transgressions mean? 
Transgressions means a high-handed rebellion. In other words, you have full knowledge of it. In other words, you know full well what you're doing. It lit, transgression literally means to step beyond the boundaries. You know where the boundary is, and yet you step across it. I work with so many marriages. I counsel constantly marriages. And let me tell you what I see with so many marriages. I see transgressions. What do you mean? Do you know why so often you fight and you conflict and you stay so angry? It's because you knowingly, with a high hand, you stepped over the boundary. Oh, you don't have to say amen. I understand. (laughs) Now, come on, let's get real. Why is there going to be conflict in your home this holiday season? Is because many of us live in this realm of transgression where we know what is right, we know what is wrong, but with a high hand in full rebellion, we push the envelope and we step right over the bound and we don't care in the moment. Am I right or am I wrong? And then the moment we step over the bounds... We think, well, you know, it's fine. It's just who I am. I just blow up for a second. I just, you know, I just, you know, we just, it just lasts for a day or two. But you have no idea the damage, the long-term damage you're doing in your transgression. Iniquity. Moral uncleanness, to not have the right motives, to not have the right desires. Transgressions, a high-handed rebellion, stepping over the boundaries. I don't know if I'm preaching to you, but I'm telling you right now, I'm preaching to me today. And then lastly, sin. What is sin? You have iniquity, you have transgressions, and you have sin. What is sin? Sin literally means to fall short. It means to miss the mark. Let me give you a good example. We've done many church events up at Duck Island at Warrior's Path State Park. They've got that beautiful lake there right in, with Duck Island in the center. We've done many baptisms there. If you and I, if we took our whole congregation and we stood right there on the shore of Duck Island and we did a contest where we said, who can jump from Duck Island to the other shore? Who could do it? Could anyone in this building do it? The answer is no. It wouldn't matter how healthy you were. It wouldn't matter how young you were. It wouldn't matter how athletic you were. It wouldn't matter how confident you were. There is nothing within your natural ability. There is nothing in your humanity. There is nothing in you that would have the ability to jump from one shore to the other shore. It would be impossible. And do you know what God says concerning the sin of humanity? God says all, that is every person of every generation, all people, and that certainly includes me and it certainly includes you. We have all fallen short and we have all sinned. That means that when it comes to God, you and I have no human ability to be accepted by God. 
We have no ability to be good enough. We have no ability to be moral enough. We have no ability to be kind enough. I don't care if you're the best person in this region. It still misses the mark. It still falls short of God's glory. And in God's eyes, you are indicted as a sinner. That's why sin is such a calamity. It's, it's more than being bad. It's deadness. It's death. So, watch these scriptures because they're, they're unbelievable. Now, watch what happens. Now, God is moving us towards something. He says, it's your sin that separates you from God. It's, 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 it's our iniquities that causes him to hide his face from us and not hear us. And then he says, you become like a blind man. You, you, you've lost your way. And you can't, let, 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 me, let me just tell you as a blind man, I amaze people walking around in here. People's like, oh my goodness, you just, you know exactly where you're going. Yes, because I remember it and I'm familiar with it. But you get me outside of here or outside my house, oh, it's not going to go well. I can't do it by myself. I have to have help. Amen. And so he says, you become like a blind man. You, you, you've lost your way. You don't have an ability. And then he narrows it down and he says, it's your sin. It's your transgressions. It's your iniquity. And so what does Isaiah do? Instead of point the finger at God and instead of saying, all of this is your fault. No, what does he do? He says, no, Yes, you're right, God. It is my sin. It is my transgression. It is my iniquity. And verse number 12, it testifies against me. In other words, I am guilty. And verse 13 really stunned me. It says, and it's caused us to not follow God. I want to say a word right here. Some of you play a constant tug of war with the world. Some of you want God and you want to be in church and you want to live right. You want God to be pleased with your life. You want to know God. You want to pray. You want to do godly things. But then something pulls you right back into the world. And it's a constant tug of war. Why do you not follow God as you ought? I'll tell you three reasons. Iniquity, transgressions, and sin. That's why. And according to verse 11, according to verse 12, and especially according to verse 13, it is the reason people do not follow God. So what's he tell us? Let's, let's keep going. This is going to be good. Verse 14 and 15. Oh, what a word to our culture today. Listen to what he says. This is back in Isaiah's day. Think about our day. It says, there is no justice does it not feel like that in America today? There is no justice. There is no righteousness. Do you know why Satan loves injustice and unrighteousness within a society? Do you know why he loves injustice and unrighteousness in a culture? Because the scriptures say that righteousness and justice are the foundations of God's 
throne. They are the foundations of his rule and his reign. And when you take out justice and you remove unrighteousness, let me tell you, friends, you're not left with anything. Because you know what? The next thing to go after justice and righteousness, according to verse 14, you know the next thing to go? Look what it says. Truth has stumbled in the public square. Anybody following Twitter right now? Truth has stumbled in the public square. Now, come on. You with me right now? When you take out justice and you take out righteousness out of a society, what's the next to leave? Truth. And then you're in trouble. And what have we removed from every institution of our country? Truth. Truth has stumbled in the public square. Verse 15, truth is lacking. Oh, is that not our day today? You know what this tells me? It tells me that whether this is in Isaiah's day or a thousand years ago or our day today, human nature never changes. We are the same. And that's why we need a Savior. Amen. So watch what God does. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Now watch what God does. God is not going to just indict humanity and say, you are guilty, good luck. Watch what he does in his grace. Verse 15, the end of verse 15. The Bible says, God looks around and he sees no justice. Verse 16, he looks for a man and he does not see any righteous. Do you know what this verse is saying? This verse is saying there is no hope horizontal. There is only hope vertically. There's, this verse is saying, you, there is nowhere that you can run to get hope. Not in yourself. What did we say? People seek hope. They look in relationships. So what happens is we, we, we marry and then we don't ever feel fulfilled. And so what do we begin to think? It's this other person. And if I had somebody else, then I would feel fulfilled. Wrong. I was listening to John Maxwell the other day. I love John Maxwell and his wife, Margaret. They did a seminar years ago. And they did a Q&A panel with Margaret and he. And a lady asked a question and she said, Mrs. Maxwell, does John make you happy? John said he held his breath. <laughs> what is she going to say? And she said, no. No, John does not make me happy. She said, furthermore, he can't make me happy. My happiness comes in Jesus. Amen. 
See, friends, that's vertical, not just horizontal. So we tell ourselves, if I was with somebody different, then my family would be better and I would be better and my lot in life would be better and I would feel, no, don't fall for that trap because it's exactly what it is. It is a snare. Do you know why just going from relationship to relationship to relationship will not bring you hope? Because we are all flawed, sinful people. And so we look out. How many of us right now? How many of us right now? We just we hurt for our nation. How many of us right now just the things going on in our country right now? They disappoint us so much. But let me remind you, believers, hope is not found in political leaders. Hope is not found in Washington, D.C. Do you know why government is corrupt? Because people are corrupt. That's why. Because of people. I don't care how you cut it. I, I, I was listening to a brother the other day and, and, and he was talking about street crime and, and all this. And he, and he brought up the, the best point. He said, the streets don't commit any crime. People do. So you can move and change locations. You can change relationships. You can change careers. And you can change all of these external things. But it does not solve the internal problem. So here's what God does. Watch what, what happens. He brings this indictment. Our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities. And then he tells us what to do. He says, you're like a blind man groping in the dark. You're fumbling along the wall. You, you've lost your way. And furthermore, there's nowhere to turn. There's nowhere to run. Because all of humanity is in the exact same boat. So what are we to do? So God says, I looked and there was no justice. I looked, there was no righteousness. I looked and there was no salvation. Now look at verse 20 with me. Now, here's what God says he's going to do. God says he's going to provide a redeemer. <laughs> Can you see how wonderful news this is? God says you might as well abandon all horizontal hope because you're not going to find fulfillment. You're not going to find expectation. You're not going to find all of your expectations fulfilled in any of this horizontal stuff. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to provide my son, my savior, my redeemer. And what does it mean to redeem? It means to go and buy back. And God says, I'm going to restore humanity. I'm going to restore salvation. Praise God. So that night that Christ was born, that night that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds good news of great joy, friends, you have to understand the calamity of sin. 
You have to understand the blindness of your own heart. You have to understand that there is no escape and there is no running to something else. There is no finding hope in anything else other than the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so God says, no. Here's the indictment, but here's the solution. Here's the answer. It's my son, the Redeemer. And verse 21, God says something remarkable. He says that his covenant, he promises a covenant with his people. You know what I think when I hear that verse? I think of 2 Timothy 2.13. See, God's covenant is not conditioned on you or myself. God's covenant is conditioned upon him and his faithfulness. That's why 2 Timothy 2.13 says, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. That's why today, if you're here and you've blown it, you've sinned, iniquities in your life, transgressions are in your life, sin abounds in your life. Let me tell you the good gospel news. God's covenant is forever. And you may have failed. You may have sinned. You may have, uh, listen, I don't know your life, but you do. And God does. And God says, there's forgiveness for you. There's grace for you. There's healing for you. And you say, but Chad, I don't deserve it. I know that's why it magnifies God. Chad, I'm not worthy of it. You're not, but that's why God gets the glory and not you. Because it's his covenant. It's his grace. It's his salvation. You say, Chad, then what do I do? Do you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with. I confess all kinds of things to God. I try to confess my sin because when I do, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I want to agree with God about my sin. I can't confess something that I don't agree with. So what you have to do is you have to look at your sin and say, God's right and I'm wrong. God's right and I'm wrong. You have to confess. Today, if there's unforgiveness in your life and you don't agree that you're wrong, if you sit there and go, well, yeah, but they did this, and yes, but, but they, you're not confessing. Confessing says, it doesn't matter what anybody's done, I'm responsible for myself, and God, my heart is wrong. Today, you're in an affair. You're filled with lust. You have to confess to God. You have to agree. God, you're right. I'm wrong. You can't repent. You can't turn from it if you don't agree with God. I try to confess my sin. I confess God's promises. I want to agree with every promise of God. I confess them. I want to be in complete alignment with the things that God says. How do I do that? His word. So when Isaiah 59 tells me 
Chad, you've lost your way. Then I need to repent. When Isaiah 59 tells me, Chad, your iniquities, your transgressions, your sins testify against you. Okay, God, I repent. I confess. The Bible says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of you are living life with no hope. Some of you, your hope is constantly dashed, constantly let down. And some of you are disappointed with God today. Let me tell you what to do. You say, God, open the blind eyes of my heart and help me to see you as the redeemer that you are. Help me to see you as the good God that you are. Help me to see you as the savior that you are. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. awakentograce.com slash store.